Amen. Praise God. We have a tendency to trick ourselves and to think that we can do things on our own. To think that I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do these things and, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go out and just uh, make these things happen. I'm going to go and put myself in front and say, look what I did. And we fool ourselves in that way. But the reality is, is that we need God. Every hour we need him. Every minute, every moment, every breath, we need God. For without him, none of that stuff would happen. Don't, don't leave here fooled today that, that anything that you have done in your career, in your life, or in your none of that stuff is because of who you are. It's because who God is. He's our one defense, our righteousness. Oh, man. Oh, man, that, that'll, that'll preach. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 18. We're going to continue our series in the book of Acts this morning. Um, I'm a visual person. I love to learn about things, and, and I don't know if you're anything like this, but I've come to rely on YouTube. And the more, <laughs> the more that I try to do some new things, and I don't know if you're, again, if you're like this, but if I need to learn something new, I, I just go to YouTube to find out. YouTube is the, the second uh, highest search engine there is today. The, the, the top is Google, which Google owns YouTube, so they got the one and two spot. But I'm not alone. Most people, when they try to find out something new, they go to YouTube and try to figure it out. Uh, this, this week we had a, a mishap with our uh, uh, shower doors. We had some glass shower doors, and they got messed up, and they got stuck, and, and I'm just trying to figure out, like, first of all, what happened? <laughs> how, did, how did we get here? We, we use this thing every day, and now all of a sudden it gets stuck, and I can't figure it out. I don't know what's going on. So I went to go ask Mr. YouTube. And fortunately, uh, you know, I found several videos of, that showed me how this, this I mean, it's a simple mechanism, uh, but I'm not a handyman. I'm willing to admit that. But it's simple how this thing works, and I was able to get it unjammed and get it back on the track and, and found something else that was all messed up. So pray for me. We got to you know, get some shower doors. <laughs> but I'm not alone, right? I know people who have changed parts in cars because of things that they found on YouTube. And the way it helps is because we, some, most of us are visual people. We, we want to see it be done so that we can learn from that. It's one thing to tell somebody or you get out the, the, the instruction book Right, especially I don't know if you've got some things from IKEA and everything's in Chinese, and you didn't get the English one, and so you're trying to figure out what's what, and so then it drives you to YouTube to figure this out. But being able to see somebody do this in front of us, it gives us a picture like, oh, I can do that, I can handle that, and you know, mine is very similar. It might be a little different, but I can figure it out from there. We need somebody that to to come and to show us how it is that we can fix something or learn something new. And when it comes to the Bible and discipleship, you can find out and learn stuff in the Bible on YouTube as well. Uh, but the, the source is God's Word. And God, he, he knows that we need this example in our lives. He gives us command. He tells us to go and make disciples. But fortunately, he's not like Ikea. 
and he, do, he gives us the instructions and the right instructions that we can read and we absorb. Matter of fact, he goes the extra step and gives us the Holy Spirit so that we might be able to understand what it, what's going on and, and be able to be guided by the Holy Spirit. But he also shows us in his word through other people how it is that we are to be disciples. Matthew 28 and 18 says, and, and Jesus said to him, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Throughout the book of Acts, what we've gotten is a bird's eye view of what disciples of Christ look like. It's kind of like if we did pull up YouTube and we got to see uh, the, the church being formed in front of our eyes, we get that in the retelling of the book of Acts. We're giving multiple examples and illustrations of what it looks like to even be a missionary, to go and share the good news or the gospel. And as we go through our text this morning, I want you to be thinking about a couple things as we read through. What I want you to think about is, are you taking seriously the God-given command on your life to be a disciple who makes disciples? You should be thinking about that. Are you being a disciple who is continuously learning how you can better follow Jesus and authentically live out your faith? And are you serving others, helping them to do the same? Think about that as we are reading through. We'll start in Acts 18 and verse 23. Here God's word says, After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So I'm going to pause there. Paul here is on his third missionary journey. He's going and he's traveling from city to city. Remember, he's going by foot. He's hoofing it from one place to another. And now we see him going from Galatia to Phrygia, and he's on his way to Ephesus. And as Paul travels, his goal here is to, to revisit many of the churches that he has already planted. And Paul, he, he longs to see the spiritual growth in, in his spiritual children. He wants them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he writes to the people in Galatia, in Galatians 4 and 19, it says, My children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He, man, he just wanted to see people get to know Jesus. He wanted them to be able to walk and talk with him. And he also celebrated when he see, sees them progress in their faith. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 19 where it says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Man, he had his passion for the spiritual growth and health of these congregations. And, and this is my prayer for us as well, by the way. I hope that we can embrace our mission to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to thrive as a body of believers and serve Bolingbrook and the greater community. This is my goal and my aim for all of us here in this 
local body, similar to what Paul is saying to the churches that he planted. Now in verse 24, it says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately and the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Alexandria is an intellectual center for uh, the, the area that's in Egypt. And it had this world-renowned library. And like Athens that we talked about in previous chapters, the city was known for many philosophers that will sound familiar to you, like Philo. And much later in Alexandria, uh, we, we know some religious scholars were from there, like uh, Clement and Athanasius and Origen. Here we encounter Apollos, who was a great speaker. He was smart. And I'm sure he had a deep knowledge of the Old Testament scripture. And the text says that he was very confident, competent. He knew his way around the scripture. So when, we, uh, it, when it came to the Old Testament texts, Apollos, he was like a master swordsman. If you uh, watch Kung Fu movies, he was able to wield the sword of the word of God and be able to penetrate those people who need to hear it, right? So with the help of the Holy Spirit, he was strong when it came to public preaching and debating. However, there was, there was a problem. There, there was an a, a issue with some of the things that he was saying because he had a, a misunderstanding when it came to baptism. You see, Paulus didn't fully understand the new covenant baptism practice that had been established by Jesus. Look with me again in verse 26. It says, he began speaking boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. If you remember from earlier in chapter 18, we encountered Priscilla and Aquila, uh, this dynamic duo who uh, were working with Paul. He, Paul lived with them. He, uh, they, they invited him into their house, and, and they went on a mission of spreading the gospel together. Here we encounter them again, and they hear Apollos teaching, and they wanted to help fill some of the gaps that he had. They, they were probably sitting in the congregation like, what, what do you say now? Wait a minute. That's not actually correct. So they, they approach Apollos, and they wanted to, to fill in those gaps for him. They, they taught him how in, in Christian baptism it illustrates our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. That was the part that was missing for Apollos there. If we look at Romans 6 and 3, it says, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead of the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. This is what Apollos was missing. He didn't quite uh, get the depth and the understanding of the specifics of what this baptism meant. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard this, I want you to notice something. Notice that the text did not say that they, they called him out in front of everybody. Heretic! 
Get out from there. You don't know what you're talking about. It's not what they did. We throw that term around, uh, term around really freely these days. And we hear people, they can have a misunderstanding or they can be flat out wrong. But we want to throw around the term heretic as opposed to doing what Priscilla and Aquila hear. They don't embarrass or shame him. They actually show great humility and compassion as well as some conviction. They, they want to, to take him like, hey, man, this, this guy is sound. He's, he's intellectual. He's, he's smart. He, and, man, this stuff is good except for this part. And they felt the conviction to pull him to the side and say, hey, brother, uh, hey, I mean, the Lord is mightily using you. But l- let me help you understand these areas of doctrine that you might not understand fully. They lovingly pull him to the side and privately explain and elaborated on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Also notice that they didn't go around gossiping about it. After they heard him, they're like, can you believe this Apollos dude? He over here thinking he all that, talking all this stuff. He don't even understand baptism. Can you believe that? Hey, uh, I don't know if you knew, if you heard about Apollos, somebody need to step in and take care of him. He don't need to be preaching because he don't even understand what can we do? I mean, go tell him to go over and do something about that. That might happen at this church, but that's not the example that's laid out in Scripture. They didn't go around gossiping about what was going on or what's not going on. And further, they didn't sleep it, sweep it under the rug to avoid confrontation. They didn't, they didn't just say, oh, hmm. That ain't right, but man, somebody else should take care of that. I don't want to, I want Paulus to be mad at me because I'm trying to correct them or anything. and I don't want to look bad and have him say something. I'm just going to sit on it and hopefully it, it works itself out. That's not what they did. They were very convicted. They, they saw that the Holy Spirit was using him and they're like, man, if we make this tweak, we help this brother out, man, the world, the, the world would just benefit from hearing this brother preach, hearing this brother spread the good news. Man, there's so much more work that needs to be done. Let's, let's go help him. Let, let's, let's stand up and, and encourage this brother instead of sweeping it under the rug. Priscilla and Aquila had a heart for Apollos as well as the people that will potentially hear the gospel be preached. Brothers and sisters, as we revitalize this church, this this 54-year-old church, as we seek to uh, uh, revitalize or uh, uh, revive, we have this this, uh, need and want to to go and do what God has called us to do, to, to revive not only ourselves individually, but ourselves corporately as well is going to take for us to uncover some wounds that we've experienced in the past. We're going to need to address things and work through it by repenting to God and repenting to others as we seek the Lord guidance, as we seek him to heal us. This is going to be some necessary work that we need to do in order to continue to get back on the path that God has called us to do the work that he's called us to do in this very local body. Now, just like Priscilla and Aquila, it's going to require some uncomfortable conversations. But we need to have some conviction as to what God called us to do. 
God put us here at First Baptist Bolingbrook so that we can reach Bolingbrook and the greater nations. And so in order for us to get there, in order for us to, to, to be on that mission, it's going to be necessary for us to pull, pull out the covers, uh, get some things that we swept under the rug, we get them out, and we deal with them. We deal with them for the good of the one another here, and we do so for the good of the kingdom. So I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm in for the work. I'm here for us to do that. In order for us to reach the next step that God has for us, it's going to be necessary. So as we read this text, what actually happens when they address something that, that needs to take place? Here is improper teaching. But it could be something that, that um, maybe a, a brother or sister offended you or, or anything like that. But what happens or what can happen when we address it? Let's look at verse 27. It says, when he wished to cross to Ahia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly uh, helped those who, would, who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in the public and showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So praise God that Priscilla and Aquila addressed the situation. They have conviction for what was going on and how it should be addressed. They loved Apollos enough to go to him with this correction. But it also looks like Apollos was willing to listen. Apollos was willing to take this constructive criticism so that he might be able to improve. Apollos didn't even know that he had gone sideways. He thought he was doing the right thing. And that's the case for many of us. So sometimes we offend people we don't even, we have no idea. We think we're doing okay. And lo and behold, we put our foot in our mouth and we've offended somebody. If somebody has offended you, be like Priscilla and Aquila. Go to that brother, go to that sister and say, hey, this happened, you said this or you did this, and this is, this is how it fell on me. This, is, this offended me in this way. And if somebody comes to you with those things, look at how Apollos dealt with that. Apollos knew he wasn't perfect. Apollos knew there was some room to grow and I hope that you might listen to that brother or sister who you may have offended and that you would seek to learn. And how, how can I correct this? And can, can, can I uh, repent and ask for forgiveness so that we can continue to, to, to love on each other and grow together? And this brother probably had much more formal education. You know, he, here he is in Alexandria with the libraries and, everything, and he's probably very intellectual. So when Priscilla and Aquila comes, he could have said, hey, look, I I've been to school. I've been to seminary. I've done all this stuff. Who, who are you guys? And he could have said that, but he didn't. He humbled himself to hear the truth be spoken. He remained faithful. He was available. He was teachable, and he was sendable. Not, not for himself, but so that God could be glorified. Man, I wish that was us here today. That we would be faithful, available, teachable, and sendable. That we would 
be willing to hear constructive criticism, not for our own good, but for the good of Christ. That we will put ourselves to the side so that Christ can be glorified. That we can work on the things. And I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. There's some things that I need to work on, and I'm trying as, as, as much as the Lord will, will work on me. I'm trying to be open to, to be malleable so that I can be formed into what he wants me to be, what he needs me to be. And I hope that you would be too. The text says that he was encouraged after this. He was encouraged so much, he's like, I got it. Oh, thank you for sharing this with me. I had no idea, but it makes me that much more on fire. Now I got it. Now I'm ready to, to go and continue to spread the good news. And, and so much so, they went and sent this letter endorsing him as he went on to the next city. It's like, hey, this, uh, this, this brother Apollos, he's got our stamp of approval. He's good. He's got, the, he's got the, the education behind him. He's got the plaques on the wall. And now his doctrine is tight. Wait till you hear this brother preach. This world will not be the same. And they sent this letter on. Now, if you remember, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they were from, from Corinth. And Corinth is a region of Ahia. And if you, if you remember, they, they were a big deal in Corinth. So having the stamp of approval from Priscilla and Aquila, like, oh, this brother must be serious. He must, wow. I can't wait for him to get here. Because we need more people to, that are about the kingdom business, going and spread the good news. Paul even acknowledges Apollos' ministry when he writes his letter to the Corinthians. Man, it must have been a sight to see this brother who is on fire and ready to spread the good news. Look with me in verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the middle, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul had laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some stubborn and uh, some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. These, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and of Greeks. So now if we were watching a movie play out, uh, here we switch to another scene. Here we, while Apollos is doing his thing in Corinth, we shift back to Paul and what he's up to in Ephesus. And he runs into some disciples, but they were disciples of John the Baptist. This term disciple, if you remember, is more about uh, followers or, or learners, 
right? So in the Christian context, we're used to hearing the word disciples and we automatically think disciples of Jesus. But in the bare essence of it, we're talking about people that were followers or learners, and these were followers and learners of John the Baptist specifically. This is an interesting contact, contrast between Apollos and um, uh, who was a believer, and he just needed a little more instruction. And by all accounts, he appeared to be Christian. He just needs this doctrine tweaked a little bit. By all, and and, and uh, Luke actually, actually uh, uh, taught the way of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit energized his passion. So he, Luke is telling us in, the, in here, here, as he writes at Acts, that, hey, he's got the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is working on him. He's, he's preaching and teaching very strongly and accurately aside from what Priscilla and Aquila had to correct. But on the other hand, we have these disciples that Paul encounters that weren't yet believers in Christ, and they knew very little about Christ at all. These disciples didn't realize that Jesus was the one that was to uh, come after John. Jesus was the one that John was talking about that would come after him. He, Jesus was the one that John was pointing to in his own ministry. They hadn't heard anything about the Holy Spirit being poured out in Pentecost and probably didn't know about the life and ministry of Jesus at all. And that means they weren't aware of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ either. So Paul has this gospel conversation with these guys. Paul uh, understands, he, he tries to understand by asking some questions about where they are spiritually. And here we are with another example for us here today that, that we can ev easily weave in uh, these spiritual things within our own conversations to understand who we're talking to, to kind of understand what their foundation is and where they are spiritually is we're, we're talking to people to understand if, if they're Christian, if they uh, have any faith at all, if they attend a church, what their upbringing is, right? These are some conversations that we can have with the people that God has placed around us. The way that I do this is just talking to people and just a normal conversation. I bring this up all the time. What would you do this weekend and all this kind of stuff? So I'm very free and open about talking about church. Uh, I may say I'm a pastor or not, is insignificant, but I can come and talk about a Bible study or prayer group or whatever it is, and I do this to gauge what their response is and say, well, yeah, I was in this, the Bible study group and I learned these things, and I can, you know, look at their face, look at their body language to, to see kind of where this strikes them, and maybe they'll ask questions about it or maybe they won't. There's this one guy that I work with that I test the waters with pretty frequently. And every time I bring up something spiritual, he tenses up and it becomes really uncomfortable. <laughs> he, he doesn't know what to say, doesn't know how to act. He is visibly uncomfortable when I bring up spiritual things. But I keep doing it. Because I, I'm hoping and I'm praying as I'm praying for him that one day he, he will, why do you keep bringing this up to me? What is it about this stuff that, that, you, that you're doing? Why do you do this stuff? Because I'm, I'm an IT guy, and so a lot of IT folks are just all about uh, science, and, uh, and they think that science is the, the opposite of what God, who God is and what he does. And so you can't have one without the other. 
And it's this thing, it's a crutch for people. That's a lot of what the IT guys think about. And, and so I'm just hoping and praying one day he just comes around. But just like Paul here, just weaving it into some conversations to see where this goes, to see where they are. Sometimes having these conversations like, well, oh, I go to this church, or I used to go to this church, and I don't do it anymore. I'm like, oh, why is that? Why, why did you used to go to this church? What, what was it about that church that caused you to stop going? Or maybe they have some misconceptions about the Bible or church, and I pray that the Lord would use me to dispel some of those myths. Like, well, I don't, you know, the Bible's misogynistic and hates women. Oh, well, why do you think that? Let me, let me tell you about some women. Let me tell you about this woman named Deborah. Let me tell you about this woman named Mary. Let me tell you about this woman named Priscilla, Lydia, and be able to expose them to some things that they might not have had the opportunity to hear about before. These are great conversations for us to have, and we should not assume that people who uh, uh, are, they say that they're Christian are actually Christian. They might say some Christian-like things, but we should continue to ask questions to really explore if that is in fact true. On the surface, when you talk to a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or a Hebrew Israelite, they can say some Christian-type things, but when it comes to brass tacks, when it comes to really talking about the gospel and who Jesus Christ is, things tend to fall apart. And this is how we can know. And this, is, this informs us how we can continue to have those conversations, again, to help fill those gaps, to point them back to Scripture and what Scripture says so like Apollos, they can get back on the right track. Maybe they're well-meaning. Maybe they're, they're just led astray. But they need the gospel and salvation too. And God has put you in their lives so that you can be that instrument. Here Paul teaches about Jesus fulfilling the message of John the Baptist. And after hearing this, they're baptized in the name of Jesus and they receive the new covenant fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, what a great sight that must have been for them to go and say, man, this is who John was talking about. This actually happened. This is what's going on in the rest of the world. I want in. We're called to be disciples. We're called to take this message too. Yes, I'm on board. Let's go. What I appreciate about this text is Luke shows us some very different views of, of people who need Christian instruction of, of some kind of type, right? We got Apollos who, who just needs some tweaks in his doctrine versus these, these disciples who had no clue about who Jesus Christ was and everything in between. There are some people that we might know who know the basis of the Christian faith and they just need encouragement. They just need reinforcement. Those people who fell away from church, like with this whole pandemic, some people just have not been back to church. Those folks need some encouragement to get back into the, the groove of things and come back to, to being equipped to, to share the good news. They might just need some clarity on, on doctrine, just like Apollos, while there's other people who might be religious, but they don't have an understanding of the gospel like 
these disciples of John. The takeaway here is that God has placed people around you. God has placed people around you so that you can strengthen the faith of some and share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Our call, our purpose, our reason for being is to make disciples. First, we've got to be a disciple. And then we have to be a disciple who makes disciples. The world needs disciple makers, and that's you. If you've been looking for your purpose in life, that's it. You don't have to go somewhere and, and go find yourself or read any books. Aside from the Bible, it's very clear. Our role, our job, is to be disciples who make disciples. That's what we're here to do. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's, let's be on mission for Christ. Let's join him in his mission so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, thrive as a body of believers, and go serve Bolingbroke in the greater community. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, let's, let, let's not have this just be intellectual knowledge that we take away here today. I want to thank you for the example that you laid before us about what disciples of Christ look like. So that we can see in our own selves if these people that you put, that came before us so many years ago can do it, we can do it as well. We've been all given the same charge to go and make disciples. And just like you did for the people that came before us, for the Priscilla's and Aquila's, for Paul's, all those folks, for Apollos, all those folks that, that you show us in your scripture, we know that, that you would do the same for us, that you would continue to encourage and strengthen us. You would give us the words to say and how to say them. You would put people in our path that we can uh, have an effectual change on when we share the gospel with them. Help us to know that and stand on that so we can look forward to the day of Christ's return that we, we get to be with him, we get to serve with him, and we leave this world with, with all this, this pain and strife and, and tears and everything else that is going on, that we get to be with you for forever and eternity where there is none of that. We get to worship you on high. We get to celebrate and be with you. Father, help us to look forward to that. Help us to go and not only keep it for ourselves, but go and share that good news with others, that good news that Jesus Christ has come, has died for our sins. He's paid the price on our behalf. And now he's, he's conquered death and now sits at the right hand of the Father, intervening for us, longing to be with us as well. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done, the things that you will continue to do. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.